It was a weeknight, a, I don't know, a Wednesday or a Thursday in 2000, in the year of our Lord, 2000. Uh, America was still coming to grips with our embarrassment over Y2K. And I was in the Army. I was stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, which is actually on the border between Kentucky and Tennessee. Uh, Most of it's in Tennessee, but I think the post office is technically in Kentucky, so the base is considered to be in Kentucky. But if you go anywhere outside the base, you're probably going to go to Nashville because I think the largest town, closest largest town in Kentucky with anything at all to do is Paducah. Um, And uh, Paducah as a whole, (laughs) there's really no reason to go there. I went there once and said never again. Um, I was still living in the barracks. Uh, I had not gotten my own apartment yet. Um, Barracks are basically like a, you know, it's like a college dorm, except uh, possibly more homoerotic. Um, And on this particular night, like most weeknights, I was just going to stay in and play video games on my PlayStation 1. Probably a little Metal Gear Solid or uh, possibly some Siphon Filter. Uh, when They should come out with another Siphon Filter. Like the first couple were really great and then they went downhill. They should revive that franchise. Instead of doing any of these things, I got dragged out to a go-go bar. And I didn't really know go-go bars were a thing. I'd kind of, I'd heard of them in movies when I was a kid, maybe, you know, I thought they were from like the the 50s, like they were the 50s equivalent of a strip club. Um, But in this particular county in Tennessee, right outside the main gate of the base, strip clubs were illegal. Uh, I didn't grow up in this country, so... I'm American, but I'm not from any city or state, and I still don't really understand what a county is, like, like as a concept. Like, why, when you're in the same state, like, let's say you're in Virginia, in the same state, booze can be illegal to sell in one county and legal in another. Maybe they, maybe not in Virginia. Virginia actually has like state liquor stores. Yeah, that's a weird thing too. Yeah. I haven't lived in Virginia for a while, but I forgot about that. You had to go to the, the ABC store to get hard alcohol, which is run by the state. I don't know. Why is that a, a thing? You can't just have a mom and pop liquor store in America in some states. Or in some states, one county is dry still in the 21st century, and then another county is not. Um, And I get it that, you know, like a wealthy homeowner in a particular county may have like a a not-in-my-backyard approach to a lot of things, but are we free Americans or what? (laughs) Like, I grew up outside of this country in Germany, 
taught certain things about America, like we're free and we love our freedom, and you come to America, and there's all sorts of not free shit happening. <laughs> what are we doing? So in this particular county, strip clubs are a no-go. Hence, the go-go bar. So you get strippers that don't actually strip. Meanwhile, we could have just driven 15 minutes to the next county, which I think was actually across the state line into Kentucky, and then just go to a proper strip club. Or we could have driven 45 minutes to Nashville and gone to like a better proper strip club, you know, in a city with people where the women where there's a possibility that the women dancing might actually be somewhat attractive. Uh, actually, there was another strip club across the thing in Kentucky. And then that strip club was like full nudity. And even if there is a club that's a proper strip club with nudity, with full nudity, there are more weird rules. And this is all over America. I've been to an awful lot of shitty strip clubs all over this great, great nation because I'm, I'm a patriot. So in a lot of counties, strip clubs are legal. But if the club serves alcohol, the dancers have to keep their knickers on, you know, their little bottoms. Most strip clubs I've been to, the girls keep the scanty knickers on, uh, what I like to call their scanties. Basically like the movies. I don't think I've seen a strip club in an American movie that's fully nude. But they do exist in some places in America. And if you want to have a fully nude strip club in the States, at least as far as I've seen, and I guess I've only been to strip clubs in a handful of states like, I don't know, Tennessee, Kentucky, Texas, uh, I went to a couple in Vegas, a couple in California, Georgia when I was there, went to one in New Orleans, um, that's probably, oh, Arkansas. Or actually, I think we were training in Arkansas and then drove across the border to Missouri and went to the strip club there, one of those places, uh, that's probably it, and scores in Manhattan, and I think that's it in America. I've I've been to a few. Uh and I've been to two or three places in Texas and Kentucky that were fully nude. But if they're fully nude, they can't serve alcohol. So if you really want to sneak a peek at some strange vag, you had to bring your own booze to the all nude joint. And they would charge you to bring your own alcohol in there. The whole thing is absurd, really. You can serve alcohol and show bare titties and bare ass, but bare vag, I mean, mixed with booze, that might incite a riot, which is absurd. A vulva is barely anything. A vulva is almost an absence of a thing. It's not quite negative space between a girl's legs, but apparently combined with alcohol that shit is super fly tnt so they couldn't possibly grant the establishment a liquor license except it's still okay to let people bring in their own alcohol 
and then charge them a premium for the privilege. So you're basically paying twice for whatever booze you bring in. And it's also okay to sell buckets of ice to keep your beer cold. But because they don't actually sell the alcohol themselves, you only have to be 18 to get into an all-nude place. But if you go to just a bare titties, bare ass place, you got to be 21 because they serve booze. It's confusing. I never got the point of an all-nude place anyway. Like, I don't really want to see that much. Titties and ass all day, all the time, sure. But, I don't know, a vulva's uh, personal. I don't want to know that much about a stranger. It's kind of It's kind of like if someone has an odd birthmark. It's one of those things that you either grow to love or you grow to hate. You don't quite know how you feel about it at first. Like whenever I'm sleeping with someone and I'm not sure if I actually like her or if I just like fucking her, I take a peek at her vulva. And if I like what I see, that means I like her as a person. If I'm compelled to look away and not actually look down there when I'm having sex with her, that means there's something in her personality that I'm ignoring subconsciously. I'm being willfully ignorant to her shitty personality in order to keep getting laid. I feel like you're making a face. <laughs> Given that this country has like a 50% divorce rate, I think a lot of us are doing that. I wonder how many women are willfully ignoring their husband's oddly shaped flaccid penises for the sake of the children. I guess it sounds like I'm like a strip club connoisseur. I guess I kind of have been to a bunch. Um, I haven't really been to one in 15 years. I was never really a big fan. They're okay, but it's just kind of what like young dudes do. Or at least like young soldiers. Usually it's one guy's idea. And the rest of us just kind of shrug our shoulders and are like, okay. Sometimes it's a girl's idea. That's more fun because... It's nice to see a girl you know get a lap dance from a naked stranger. Also, I did I did drive for a stripper for three months. I forgot. I always forget about that. That's uh, maybe that's next pod- podcast. My stripper driving days. Um, in my twenties, I did a lot of shit for the story, and eventually, I learned. The subsequent story is always more entertaining than the actual events as you're living them. (laughs) Driving a stripper around was not glamorous at all. (laughs) It's mostly annoying. Um, So anyway, in this county we were in on this, let's say, Wednesday night in the year 2000, Went to the go-go bar. No nudity at all. Just go-go. Not to be confused with the go-go we have in D.C., 
In DC, go-go is a style of music. I, I think it's like a genre of hip-hop. Uh, I don't know. It came around in the 70s or something. That And local residents in the district who were born and raised in the district, they're like awfully proud of it. This kind of annoying hip-hop. Um, but whatever. I'm not talking about that go-go. This go-go is just girls dancing in bikinis. The girls are not attractive in the slightest. And I feel I'm being pretty generous when I describe what they're doing as dancing. Animated pole leaning might be more accurate for some. Or if they show a little bit of talent, I might describe it as agitated hair flailing. Go-go bars basically are the worst. <laughs> you feel worse about yourself for having gotten in one. They're definitely worse than burlesque. Burlesque can be cool. I've seen one or two burlesque performances live that were cool. Dita Von Tees seems kind of cool. I would I might go see her. It's kind of burlesque is kind of like a it's kind of like seeing something for the joke almost. Uh, like Fat Elvis or something like that. You know, it's like a, a weird cabaret thing. Um, I've also seen a lot of shitty amateur burlesque while waiting for a stand-up open mic to start. But even shitty burlesque can be funny. I think the best I saw was a dude doing burlesque. He was this kind of fat dude in a tuxedo did a strip tease to... William Shatner doing a spoken word version of Rocket Man. <laughs> like, it wasn't good, but it was still kind of awesome. <laughs> like, I felt like I'd witnessed something at least interesting and amusing. You know, I didn't regret leaving the house that night. <laughs> uh, but even if burlesque usually sucks... Everyone in the audience is still kind of having fun with it. But no one is having fun at a go-go bar. Go-go bars are worse than a music open mic. They're really, they're worse than a stand-up open mic. You're not really having a lot of fun at a stand-up open mic, but sometimes you might hear a really great joke. Uh, go-go is pretty much open mic plus size bikini modeling. The only thing worse than a go-go bar that I can think of is fucking improv comedy. See, no one is having fun at a go-go bar. Not the dancers, not the audience. That's fine. Improv comedy. Those fucking chubby white kids putting on the show are having fun. They are always having the time of their fucking lives. And the audience is always miserable. Because improv just inherently sucks. If the audience is miserable, and I say this as someone who has made a few audiences miserable, the least you can do as the performer is not genuinely enjoy yourself. There's no stand-up open micer has a, who has a good time bombing. There are plenty of stand-ups who bomb and then convince themselves they did well, 
Like, that's just being delusional. That's a result of cognitive dissonance. But generally, if you're a stand-up and you're bombing, you're not having the time of your life. The go-go bars are the same. The dancers know they suck, the people in the bar barely pay attention to them, and everyone in the place knows they fucked up by being there. No one's pretending it's more than it is. Unlike improv. God damn it, improv sucks. It's the difference. It's the difference between a stand up open mic and like amateur improv comedy. There's a nice economy to stand up. You tell a joke. If it's funny, I get a laugh. If it's not funny, I don't get a laugh. If I don't get a laugh, I'm not happy. So neither me or the audience are happy. That's fine. I'm not being rewarded for a shitty performance. Improv, those, those fucking kids are just oblivious. They think that just because they said something that popped in their head, somehow it's genius. They, and they all think they deserve to go meet Lord Michaels. I don't... <laughs> No. So I'll give this, as much as the go-go bar sucked, I'll give this to the girls. They were under no illusions that they were going to be stars someday. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I get dragged out to this go-go bar. And I'm driving. I usually drove when we went out drinking because it would give me an excuse not to have to get hammered with everybody else. Like, I enjoy drink, but I've never been a fan of the buying of multiple rounds of shots at the bar. Also, when I drove, I got to control the music because people generally have the worst taste in music. And I hadn't yet learned that trying to save people from their shitty aesthetic sense is a fool's errand. So I would try to introduce these fucking knuckle draggers to good music. And also, I couldn't bear to listen to any more fucking Shania Twain that these fucking dudes were listening to. Um, so I like to drive just so I can control the music. Uh, so we get to this go-go bar. I'd never been there, never heard of it. Friend of mine, um, wanted to go there. So we get there and it's a mobile home. It's not really a business. It's not a storefront. It's a mobile home. It's not even like a club, like a strip club is usually its own separate building with no windows. This is a mobile home with like drawn blinds converted into a bar. And I don't even want to give this place the mystique of the term dive bar. It's just sad and gross. Like if you've ever, if you've ever been to a, a shitty casino in Vegas like four or five blocks away from the strip. It's kind of like that. It's a place where real degenerates go. Not interesting degenerates. Not fun degenerates. I love like an interesting, fun degenerate who's got some character, who is a character. But there are some places in this world that are, they're only for people who have hit rock bottom. And they are, completely unaware that that's where they're at and if you happen to enter that space they look at you like you're an intruder like you're going to come in and take from them 
And of course you're not because one, they don't have anything. And also everything about them and their shitty little world is repulsive. But to them, they're, uh, they're like Gollum. And they have the one ring. And the whole universe is full of people trying to take that one ring from them. So they get to hide in a cave and shut themselves in. Suspicious of anyone they've never seen before. Uh, so we go into this portable go-go bar, this mobile home. And uh, there's like an area set aside for a tiny stage. I guess it's kind of like the living room. Um, the stage is a flat plywood box with a portable stripper pole, which is kind of like a thick, shiny vertical curtain rod. Uh, there's a tiny bar, I guess, where like the kitchen would be, like the kind you use to order from like a Sears catalog for your suburban basement, like like a like a bar you order for your home. Um, and there are a couple booths made of like, they're like the booths at McDonald's. It's particle board and pleather. Um, and none of the booths are oriented so you can see the stage. <laughs> so one side of the booth might see the stage if you don't have anyone sitting across from you facing you. And the people sitting across from you, well, they're facing you so they have their backs to the stage. Um, and we walk into this place I take one peek at the girl dancing and then I sit in a booth with my back to the stage because I had no fear that I might miss out on anything. I immediately said, nope, I'm just going to stare at the wall. Uh, and there's four of us out here. So it was me, uh, a friend Travis, Kyle, and Jeremy. Um... And I guess I'll say now Travis is dead now. <laughs> I don't want to finish the story and then uh, I don't quite know how the story's I know how the story's going to end, but uh, I don't want to get to the end and then uh, bum everybody out at the end by <laughs> saying Travis is dead. Travis is dead. He got killed in Iraq by an, uh, an IED, improvised, ex- improvised explosive device. Travis was a cool, cool motherfucker. Um... He actually had a book written about him, which I have yet to read. I don't know if I ever get around to reading that thing. But he did some really cool shit in Iraq. It's kind of after I had already gotten out of the army. Um, So I wasn't with him in Iraq when he was doing all the cool shit. But yeah, he had a book written about him. Basically, almost uh, won the hearts and minds of Iraqis for the U.S. Um, Around, I guess, I think it was around 2004, 2005. Um, and then he got killed. So I'm not saying if he would have lived, you know, Iraq, the Iraqi debacle would have turned out better, but it definitely turned out worse because, uh, cause he got killed. So Travis was cool. Um, Kyle and Jeremy, as far as I know, I haven't talked to either of them really since I got out. Uh, as far as I know, they're both alive, probably married, fat kids. Um, so there's us four, maybe like a handful of dancers hanging out, and uh, some other trashy-looking dudes were also hanging out. They're like Breaking Bad wasn't a thing then, but they were like when I saw Breaking Bad, I go, oh yeah, I've I've seen I've seen those dudes. 
Um, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, you should. These guys were some real Jesse Pinkman looking motherfuckers. Like Jesse Pinkman and his two meth buddies. There was Skinny Pete and then uh, the big goofy one who were, they were both awesome in that show. Um, not a high school diploma among them, I am sure. Maybe one guy might have gotten his GED and was like very proud of it, but he had to kind of do it in secret so his friends wouldn't call him gay. Those kind of dudes. Uh, so the dancers are in their bikinis and like these little silky robes if they're not on stage. Um, I guess they want to be modest. <laughs> and uh, the Pinkmans... And the dancers, they're both going in and out of a back area, which I never really saw. I don't, you know, the front area I was in was not too big. Maybe the size of like a, you know, maybe 600 square feet. And you're trying to pack in like dancers and people in there. Um, so the the sketchy Pinkman dudes and the dancers going in and out of the back, probably for meth-related reasons, Maybe just to eat, who knows, but their energy was frantic and annoying, so I'm thinking meth. Um, clearly, the dancers and the Pinkmans know each other, but I think I'm only realizing this in hindsight, though, because I'm just annoyed we're there. I kind of got dragged out to this place, and I was, I guess I was being kind of a little bitch. <laughs> I was just being a cranky little bitch. Uh, usually I'm up for anything, but I, I think I'd kind of know, I kind of knew this was not going to be a cool story, <laughs> although it did turn out to be a pretty cool story. So the four of us were the only actual patrons, I think. Uh, I'd wanted to go to like a proper bar where I can get a decent beer and it seemed unlike this place would have a Guinness or even a Sam Adams. Um, I've always been a bit of a fancy bitch when it came to beer. So I don't, uh, I guess it was Travis's idea to go there, but Jeremy was excited to be in this shithole because he grew up kind of sheltered and, and bougie. He was kind of like the rich kid of the bunch, uh, which I think his parents are probably upper middle class. So he grew up a little sheltered and, uh, I'm sure he thought this place was like slumming it. He was cool because he was slumming it. But they're slumming it and then there's just being in the gutter. <laughs> Those are two different things. Uh, and then since we're the only customers, the owner comes out to talk to us. And now uh, she's an older lady, pretty big. Like if type 2 diabetes had a look, she had that look. Um, and if you've ever seen... I'm referencing a lot of movies. Um, if you've ever seen The Wild and Wonderful Whites of West Virginia, uh, directed by Johnny Nashville, there's a lady who looks and sounds exactly like this lady. She, she's like, I'm the sexy one. <laughs> like, she sounds like that, even even deeper than I can actually go. Uh, and I, I say she was older, but who fucking knows? She could have been 35. She could have been 65. I have no idea. She was probably a hard-looking 50. She was not a youthful-looking older lady. <laughs> I'm sure she looked older than she was, but she was probably about 50, maybe late 40s. But she was pretty spunky, pretty lively, uh, in spite of the obvious hard-living she'd done 
Uh, and this lady was a whore in her youth, a legit retired whore. And I know because she told us all about it right away. It was pretty much like, what brings you boys here? By the way, I used to be a whore. And she seemed pretty proud of it, you know. Uh, it, It was clear she thought she'd led an interesting, if not kind of glamorous life. Like she thought she was pretty woman, when in reality she was just a truck stop hooker. Just a legit truck stop hooker um and i grew up watching pretty woman and i'd like to believe that in every hooker is a heart of gold <laughs> but this lady was delusional clearly this lady talked like she was rebecca de mornay in risky business but she was really natasha leone in freeway Two: confessions of a trick baby which was a movie i enjoyed <laughs> in spite of uh how fascinatingly horrifying that movie is. (laughs) I still think of it every now and then. Um, And on another night, I would have been willing to enjoy this particular freak show. But again, I was being a little bitch and was just annoyed that I had succumbed to peer pressure to go out that night. Uh, Jeremy was loving it. Which I think is what Travis intended. Travis had kind of made Jeremy kind of a pet project. And we're like in our 20s too. We're like, I'm, well, this is 2000. I guess I was like 23, 24. Um, I think it was a little younger than everybody else. I think they were around maybe 26, 27. Um, Basically, Jeremy didn't have much of a personality. So Travis made it his project to give him one. And I saw this happen a couple times in the army. Some guys are, they join the army. They're kind of, they're kind of like a real blank slate. Like they're just looking for a father figure or some sort of alpha chimp to give them direction and give them purpose. That's kind of why they join the army in the first place. They need that structure. They need someone to give them a purpose and tell them what to do. Jeremy was one of these. Um... And you can tell who these guys are because they're really into whatever everyone else is into. They don't really enjoy anything on their own for its own merit. They talk about sports a lot, but they clearly don't know what they're talking about. And I've never had any interest in watching any sport, but even I can tell they don't know what they're talking about when they're talking about football or basketball or whatever. Um, And they also have a lot of like hero worship which is really their main interest in sports or music or anything is it's not the sport. They want to worship the players or the rock stars or whoever. They want to worship the successful people. Like any dude who talks about Tiger Woods and doesn't play golf or only plays golf because Tiger Woods plays golf. That's Jeremy. (laughs) Uh, and Travis was really cool. He was like pretty generous, really gregarious, like really outgoing. Um, and I guess he felt like he wanted to help Jeremy be an actual person. (laughs) Uh, but of course, you know, most of us who join the army are a little broken. So the way Travis went about it, 
It's probably not the best way. <laughs> so Travis thought Jeremy didn't have enough darkness in him, so he wanted to bring him to this shitty cocoa bar. <laughs> Just bring him to the bottom of society <laughs> and give him a glimpse of what he'd been missing. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I couldn't have cared less about Jeremy's personal development because some people suck and... Uh, I'm okay with that. And Kyle was just uh, Kyle was just drinking and listening. He was more of an introvert like me. He, Kyle was pretty cool, pretty funny when he was sober. Um, I didn't know at this point what a shitty drunk he was, but I was about to find out. And we weren't there that long, maybe 45 minutes. Pretty woman left. I guess she had some sort of business to handle and to balance the books or whatever you do for a, for a go-go bar with no customers. Uh, and the dancers had quit really trying to dance at this point because nobody was watching them. Uh, or maybe they got tired. <laughs> I don't think they were in the best of shape. Uh, one of the dancers was the daughter of the owner. You know, I guess it's a family business. Um, the owner talked about her with, you know, some pride. So uh, they were just hanging out, drinking, smoking. You could still smoke inside back then. Although if that place still exists now, which I really doubt, I'm sure you can still smoke inside. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Uh, so Travis decides... He's going to try to get Jeremy laid. So he takes him over to where the girls are hanging out, which is maybe 10 feet away. And then Kyle and I are just hanging out, drinking, and enjoying the ensuing train wreck. Travis was a great talker. Um, he wasn't what I would think of as like an attractive man or handsome. <laughs> I don't know. He was kind of tall. Not super tall. Maybe 6'1" kind of had a goofy pear-shaped body he's so he like he was big but he had like narrow shoulders um yeah it's very but who know i have no idea as a straight dude what women find attractive he was not uh brad pitt or idris elba or not a clearly like oh yeah that's a good looking dude he was not one of those but he could talk his fucking ass off. Um, he liked to appoint me as his wingman a lot, which uh, was pretty unnecessary. <laughs> like the job of a wingman is to occupy the friend of the girl your friend is trying to charm the pants off of. But Travis would just roll up to a table full of girls and charm the pants off of all of them. So there was really nothing for you to do <laughs> as the wingman. <laughs> Uh, and Jeremy was one of the worst cock blockers I have ever known. You know, there were a couple times I had to physically shove him out of a conversation I was having with a girl at a bar. He'd just roll up and immediately just metaphorically just pull his cock out. Not literally, but figuratively. Just, hey, what are you guys talking about? Oh, look at my cock. Kind of that, but in a personality sense. <laughs> And I had to push him away a couple of times and tell him to fuck off. Um, so Kyle, Kyle and I were looking forward to seeing what would happen when a gifted 
naturally talented pickup artist tried to use his powers, his charm, to benefit a bumbling, oblivious cockblocker. And predictably, Travis just kind of sheepdogs one of these dancers into a conversation with Jeremy. Like, hey, you two have this in common. You talk. Um, and I could tell she really just wanted to talk to Travis because Travis could charm people. Um, but Travis gets one of the other dancers to put on La Bamba, the song La Bamba, super loud. And then he starts sort of salsa dancing with her, but not really salsa dancing, just faking like he knows how to salsa dance. <laughs> and then Kyle and I are like, what the fuck is happening? Why is La Bamba on? Travis is doing some aggressive twirly whirly shit with his his dancer. And then another dancer comes out from the back area, breaks up the dancing with the stars routine that's going on, spits in Travis's face. And then drags his girl away towards the back where they're doing meth or whatever the fuck they're doing. And then Travis just calmly walks back to our table, takes a sip of his beer and wipes his face and says something like, usually I have to pay for a girl to spit on me. And we all have a good laugh and continue making fun of Jeremy. And I think I asked him why the other girl spit on him, but he didn't really... I didn't hear the answer or he didn't have an answer. We didn't know. (laughs) But... You know, he shrugged it off pretty well. Um, so we hang out for another 10 minutes or so, leave uh, leave some cash on the table, and we head out to the car. And then uh, it seems, I, in retrospect, I should have I should have picked up on some co- sort of vibe or tension that was happening in this place. But I think I was just like being too much of a little bitch and just being cranky and annoyed that I was there and not playing fucking grand theft auto um but usually i pick up on attention in a place pretty quickly but i was just kind of oblivious because the pinkmans the sketchy dudes who were there kind of follow us out to the parking lot and right as we're about the car we're maybe 20 30 feet away um they're hanging out by the front door of the the go-go mobile home and then they start yelling shit at us. And I, I don't even realize, I just hear some yelling, but I, I'm not really paying attention. And then I realize, are they yelling at us? Who the fuck are these guys? Um, and then Kyle, who is normally pretty quiet and reserved while sober, I hadn't really noticed how much he'd had to drink while just sitting there for 45 minutes. He immediately starts talking shit back. He was a whole other person. Once he got enough of a buzz on. Um, so Kyle immediately starts just being really insulting to these poor meth addicts, mothers and their sisters. And and I'm I'm still confused. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then Travis was pretty cool. He's like, all right, we should probably get out of here. Because um, we're all, you know, we were all in a special forces unit, we're all kind of concerned with going to jail for assault, possibly like we're most of us are aware of the repercussions. We're not really into fighting at a bar. Um, and also once you've been in one or two bar fights, you realize like, Oh, this is not a, 
not really a skill thing. It's real easy when groups of dudes start fighting for somebody to get hit in the back of the head with a bottle or stabbed or some shit. So we all get in the car. I'm driving back. Right as I'm pulling out, one of the Pinkman dudes throws a beer bottle at my car, hits it, uh, kind of hits the top side, right where the passenger, top of the passenger door, dense, dense a little bit. I had that, I had that car for 10 years. I think that car was only two or three years old at that point. And I was pretty pissed and annoyed, but I never really gave too much of shit about any of my cars. So, um, but I was, I was annoyed. I was thinking of stopping and getting out and fucking some people up, but I'm like, you know, you know what? Let's just drive back. It's not a big deal. Um, I don't want anybody to get stabbed over a fucking dent in my car. So we start driving back and then it's maybe a, it's it's just a 10 or 15 minute drive. It's not too far. We start going back towards the front gate of the base. And then I notice that they're following us. The dudes, they got in their, their car, which was like a, I don't remember what kind of car it was. It was like a Subaru. It was like a hatchback or some shit. Like someone's mom's, one of their mother's cars. Uh, And I'm pretty sure it's them following us. And I'm like, are those those dudes? And then Kyle turns around. He's sitting in the back seat. And then he starts flipping them off through the back window. (laughs) Just really egging them on. Kyle could, well, when Kyle got drunk, he was a fucking shit. Um, At a certain point, Pretty soon after this, I just stopped going out drinking with him because every time he get drunk and it was like totally different, like a, just a total dick drunk. I'm like, I can't go out drinking with you anymore, dude. It's not, it's not fun. Um, so we get to the base and I'm like, well, these guys are fucking shitheads. Like you needed, this was pre 9-11, but you still needed to show like an ID to get on base. Um, like a military ID, I thought. Or otherwise, they're not going to let you on unless you have some sort of like, you know, government or military ID to let you on. Just a regular civilian, I didn't think, was allowed to go on the base. So I'm like, well, they're not going to get past the front gate, except they do. We go through, uh, and you go through the gate, military police, they just check your ID. Um, and then I look, I go through the gate, I look through my rearview mirror, and I see, oh, they're getting through too. So maybe, I mean, one of these kids might have been like some some sergeant major's kid or something like that, probably, and had like a had an ID to get on base. Um, so then I'm like, "Fuck!" Well, it's on. Like, I did, and I'm getting starting to get excited because I'm ready to fuck these dudes up because I'm pissed about my car. Um, and I'm like, "They followed me. I did the right thing. I left." But they followed me to where I live. Now it's on. Now, now in my mind, I have full entire freedom to put some dudes in the hospital. Um, and Kyle's still flipping them off through the back window. So they follow us to our barracks. I'm ready to fuck them all up. We all get out of the car. But then these Pinkmans get out of their car. Jeremy's not, Jeremy's useless. Jeremy's not going to fight anybody. He's kind of a pussy. Um, I'm ready to fuck him up. I start walking towards him. Travis is with me. And then, but I also know, 
tile is useless. So there's five of these guys. There's four of us, but two of our guys are going to be pretty useless. Kyle's too drunk to fight. Um, but I'm pretty confident I can fuck two of these guys up. And Travis can take two. Maybe the third one. Um, but then they don't want to fight us. They don't want to fight Travis and me. They only want to beat the shit out of Kyle because Kyle is talking shit to them and flipping them off. So I think what happened was, is like these dudes are dating the dancers or want to be fucking the dancers or something. And then whatever Travis did dancing with the girl and then the other skanky bitch spit in his face, those guys decided they needed to defend their honor. And so they followed us out to the parking lot. And I guess they were maybe going to fight us in the parking lot, but I don't think they really wanted to fight us in the parking lot. Um, but then whatever Kyle said, <laughs> shitty drunk ass Kyle, whatever he said, caused them to follow us all the way back to where we live, <laughs> to our barracks. So they don't want, they don't, they, apparently these guys don't have any problem with me or Travis. They just all want to like give Travis or give Kyle the boot party. And Travis and I are like, no. You can't. We're just gonna, we're, you guys followed us. We're just going to fuck you guys up. And they're like, no, no, man, it's cool. We just want to fuck, fuck that guy up. And I'm like, in what world do you think I'm going to let you beat up my friend? <laughs> like, you out of your mind? You guys threw a bottle at my car. I'm going to murder all of you. And then Travis, Travis just like starts lighting a cigarette. Like, we're not about to fight. I got, and I'm looking at him like, this is not the time to light a cigarette, dude. <laughs> Light the cigarette after we send him to the hospital. Travis tells them, you guys fucked up. Look at that sign over there. And he points over to where our barracks are. And out front, it has a sign of our unit. It says, uh, 5th Special Forces Group. The keywords being Special Forces. He says, this is where we live. Are you sure you re really want to want to handle this with this new information? No, basically, he's intimating that we're all in special forces. You guys are skinny slash skinny fat junkie meth heads. Do you really do you really want to continue along this path? <laughs> and I'm like, Travis, stop talking. Let's just fuck him up. Travis says, I'm going to count to 10. If you guys aren't in your car and driving out of here by the time I count to 10, we're going to kill all of you. And then now I'm annoyed because now I'm looking at Travis like what this is. This is not a fucking Charles Bronson movie. Like what is what is this lame Clint Eastwood hard ass <laughs> bit of bit of dialogue? <laughs> like what are you doing? I'm annoyed and I'm like now you're making us look stupid talking this dumb talk. I was never really a talker before fighting. Like, I love shit talking, but, like, if it's going to get serious, I just shut up. I don't really have it in me to want to murder somebody and also talk to them. It's like, I just shut up and I hit first. Um, so Travis starts counting. And before he gets to six, those dudes are in their car and they're fucking out of there. And then I'm amazed. I'm looking at Travis like, well, I can't believe that worked. <laughs> like... I'm amazed and also disappointed because at this point I was ready. I was ready to to work out some 23-year-old 
uh, creatine-fueled testosterone. <laughs> and then Travis just keeps smoking his cigarette. And that was our big fight that never happened. Yeah. I don't know if I did the ending of that story justice, but Travis was a cool motherfucker.